Where is the Holy Grail, and what is it? The Holy Grail is traditionally thought to be the cup that Jesus drank from at the Last Supper, and that Joseph of Arimathea used to collect Jesus' blood at his crucifixion. Could it be that it had collected Jesus' blood, his life force? Could it be that it was what Jesus drank out of in a non-literal sense, when he spoke with the cosmos that night before? when he looked for wisdom and strength for the coming day, and that coming day, he was once more, a part of the universe and all things. The Holy Grail is traditionally thought to be the cup that Jesus drank from at the Last Supper, and that Joseph of Arimathea used to collect Jesus' blood at his crucifixion. This, upon further investigation, begins to become unclear. The lines between the two tales become merged in the historic Dark Ages, as the tale of the Holy Grail begins to emerge in Arthurian legend. Before this time period, it turns out that there isn't much in the way of concrete stories told about a Holy Grail. In fact, there isn't much, if anything, in the biblical text to support the idea of a Holy Grail within religious texts. It is romanticized in poetic sources that this cup, or as it turns out, perhaps a bowl, given a time-relevant definition, had become a source of divine immortality after it had been interweaved with a story available at the time, and perhaps the most prominent heavenly figure within the time period. The properties of the grail bear a remarkable resemblance to another, the Horn of Plenty. The Horn of Plenty is spread through several nations' histories with an indeterminate origin, most likely Greek or Roman. It was said to bestow endless food and nourishment, and in the Greek origin story, it is made a divine object when the god, Zeus, then a baby hidden away from his baby-eating father, broke the horn off his cara, Amalthea, and it became an endless source of nourishment, the cornucopia. Yes, it's also a foodie phrase. I can't find any early written sources for the story of Zeus, although Greek mythology could put that date as far back as 3,000 years. What I could find was in the Iliad, the tale of Heracles when he wrestled with the god, Achelus, who took the form of a bull and Heracles tore off his horn, which became the Horn of Plenty. The earliest dating of the Western transcripts of the Iliad would put the earliest verified usage to 800 BC. That's far earlier than the first written reference to the Holy Grail, which finds itself in the late 12th century in the work of Chrétien de Troyes. And even at this stage, it is not a cup so much as a plate carrying a single mass wafer, one that sustains the wounded Fisher King, There are heavy references to Christ here. Perhaps the idea of the Horn of Plenty subliminally slipped itself into the workings of Chrétien. An artist is bound to have studied other writings. Or maybe it was something more substantial. Chrétien himself was a Templar, and they have often been connected with the Grail in whispers among the people. This was because the Templar order was initially based out of the Al-Aqsa Mosque on the Temple Mount, beneath which are supposed to be the remains of the Temple of Solomon. This is where the Knights Templar take their full name from, the poor fellow soldiers of Christ and of the Temple of Solomon. Rumors spread concerning what relics they may have discovered there, such as the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy Grail itself. The formation of the Holy Grail and its power seems to solidify in our minds as it begins to become a part of Arthurian legend. Chrétien de Troyes is established as the first to write stories of the Grail, in the very city where Templarism was established. It's very interesting that the time of Templars and the tales of Arthur would find themselves established during the same period in history. 
The Arthurian stories themselves bear resemblance to the nature of the Knights Templar and their holy quests, resembling the Knights of the Round Table in their quest for the Holy Grail. Historians themselves posit the idea that following Cretien's work, it is more than probable that from first to last, Templars either wrote or sanctioned many of the Grail stories. Things begin to become more clear to the origins of this magical goblet, and its origin and influence of the tales of Arthur, when we go back a little further in history. The Real King Arthur In the late 6th century, we find a King Aidan, who had four sons, the oldest of which was named Arthur. He was his father's commander and crown prince. While he was never made king, he died during battle before his own father's death. In the earliest tales of the fictional Arthur, he was not king, but a war commander. There is much research that has been done on the for and against in establishing this historical character as the author of legend. Obviously, even if he was the origin, information likely evolved and changed over the centuries and muddied the waters of the original tales, mixing relations, etc., etc., leading to the confusion we face today, when we are able to find support for both sides. What is relevant to our quest for the Grail's origins in the legend of Arthur of the 6th century and his father, King Aidan was said to have been of the bloodline of Joseph of Arimathea, the very same Joseph that was supposed to have buried Jesus and collected his blood in the Grail. What an intriguing coincidental link. As I explored the subject, it is a fascinating tale that seems to blur the line between legend and history before returning to legend. Interesting that a spiritual object supposed to bestow endless abundance would find its story written in the depths of the Dark Ages, a period of time that had been likened to a spiritual wasteland. The story may have emanated from exactly that. The story of Arthur was a way to try and bring people back to a time of hope, and maybe the manifestation of that became the Holy Grail. Rumors of the Holy Bloodline may have been the basis for using this specific character in later fantasies. A good example of a similar occurrence would be in the origins of Dracula in Vlad the Impaler. Upon evaluating this information, it expresses just how unclear the true workings of the Grail's origins as a magical artifact have become. The mind of its literary creators have been lost to history, and we cannot be certain of its evolution. It is easy to see that the Holy Grail itself may have been inspired or influenced by the mythology of the Horn of Plenty. As it is common for new stories to be an evolution or retelling of old ones, we can also see that it was much later that it was bestowed with its magical properties through fiction. What makes it so intriguing, however, is the historical and more modern links that lay beneath the surface, such as the ancestry of our potential source for the tales of King Arthur and the link between him, his biblical ancestor, and the Holy Grail. Could the Grail have been wisdom passed down through the centuries? Wisdom that transcended mortal existence and gave its holder, its drinker, eternal life? It brings to mind the phrase, tough to swallow, as an example of aphorism that we use when referring to information given to us. So there is an example of us personifying the receiving of information as a kind of drink. The Holy Grail We Know Today the writer to truly develop the grail into the divine form we know today came after Cretien and was perhaps influenced by him, although the author claims that his tale comes from an ancient source. This appears to be a common thread among earlier AD writers, including Cretien. The story comes from a German, one Wolfram Eschenbach. 
He claims to have received the information and background to his tale from a poet whom he refers to as Kiot. This character, Wolfram claims, discovered a neglected Arabic manuscript in Spain. The manuscript was said to be by Phlegitanis, a Muslim astronomer and descendant of King Solomon himself, that had claimed to have discovered the secret of the Holy Grail in the stars. Kiot himself, while traveling across Europe to follow the history of the Brotherhood of the Holy Grail, was the one to come across the history of Potsival, then writing the tale which Wolfram would ultimately retell. This is all according to Wolfram, and as there is not an accurate or concrete record of the man referred to as Kiot, it is often said that he was a pseudo-source through which Wolfram enacted the story. In Wolfram's tale, the Grail begins to develop its divine nature, something akin to the Philosopher's Stone of Harry Potter for those seeking a reference point, something both concrete and transcendent, with a kind of life force of its own, having to grant its own permission to be carried, seeking someone who is worthy. It is uniquely a stone in his telling, the stone of the phoenix, of death and resurrection. One can sustain life with its use. Eternal Wisdom of the Holy Grail What Phlegitanus wrote in the manuscript of his discovery in the stars, if it even exists, is a mystery. But no doubt it was not physical to him. That part came from the mind of the poet, seeking to hide its secrets in the parable of Parzival. What could it have been that Phlegitanus uncovered gazing up into the night sky? Perhaps he saw the inner workings of the universe and in that moment realized the immortal nature of the soul. Perhaps it is a fairy tale, but something tells me that there is more to this tale of a grail that weaves fiction with philosophy and finds itself across time with many links among its admirers. I'm of the opinion that it is a knowledge to be attained, a knowledge that provides these things through awareness of a higher truth. I believe that these storytellers use objects to create something comprehensible that allows pontification of its ideas and the possibility for an epiphany and awareness, planting a seed in the mind of its readers to impart wisdom of the soul.